Hey everybody, welcome to Too Busy to Flush. I'm JR. And I'm Molly. And if this is your first time joining us, thank you. Welcome. We are a happily married couple of four kids. A married couple is of about 13 years. Parents of four kids. With four kids. Yes. Yes. Ages 10 through 3. Um, one boy, three girls, uh, two cats, and a dog in a really weedy garden and way too many uh, campers in the driveway. Mm-hmm. Would you like to hear about me putting your toddler down for a nap? I heard now? her start crying just now. Yes, yes please. She, well, regale us with a tale. Well, I think she's mad and feeling left out because she has to nap and the other kids get to keep playing with their cousins who are in town. So she's for sure feeling that and also... It was about half an hour overdue for her nap, so she's really tired and fighting all the things. But then I had a spiritual analogy while I was putting her down because she's very particular. She only sleeps these days with one single fleece blanket, a Minnie Mouse blanket that Grammy gave her for her birthday. And she only sleeps with that over her. And it has to be oriented a certain way. And it has to be spread out just so over her feet. Otherwise, she can't she can't abide it. So maybe she's got some budding OCD going on, but she can't abide it. And so I spread her blanket out nicely over her and walked out of the room and she kicked it off of her and started screaming that her blankie was wrong. I fixed it, walked out of the room and she kicked it off and messed it up again and started screaming that her blankie was wrong. And I started thinking, I feel like sometimes this is probably what God feels like when he's like, can you obey me? And we're like, the conditions aren't just right for me to obey you. And <laughs> so, and then he's like, that's because you kicked your stupid blanket off. Fix the blanket for you because I am a patient father. Go to sleep or do what I tell you, you know, whatever it is God's calling me to do. And yeah. we kick the blanket off and we're like, you didn't make it just right for me again. And, you know, I mean, here I'm picturing Gideon, right? Like, well, God, I will obey you if now you make the conditions just right on my terms again. And sometimes God, like with Gideon, doesn't strike him and is like, look, sure, I'll do that for you. And then you obey. And Gideon did. But in this case with faith, I said, if you, I will fix the blanket one last time. But if you don't leave it on and be still and go to sleep, you're going to have a discipline. And she actually did, as far as I know. But I also locked the door behind her and came into the basement. So I don't know if she is still there or if she's upstairs screaming her head off about a blanket that's a mess. Do we still have the door handles reversed? We do. You guys will probably get in trouble for this, but a long time ago we figured out a really easy way, rather than holding a door shut to keep a kid in a room, you swap doorknobs with the bathroom and then reverse the bathroom knob that's now on the bedroom door so the lock is on the outside. There are, I don't think we'll get in trouble with for that because there's all sorts of very expensive, supposedly very sophisticated ways of locking kids in their rooms latches on above doors or door handle like okay knob things cool. that make it hard for a kid Didn't know if to somebody turn was gonna like door knob turn us, us in or turn something us in. yeah and in case you know i forgot to mention this too we also did this for the first time because our 
when we moved into this house, all of the kids' bedrooms were on a were far enough away from the master bedroom that we could not hear them if they got up in the middle of the night. And Elise, who was one and a half when we moved in, was sleep regressed being in a new location. And she would wake up between one and two in the morning and go out into the toy room that was right outside of her bedroom. And she would be playing with toys at the top of a set of stairs as a one and a half year old in the middle of the night. (laughs) And we figured that we needed to, it was better. And we were sleeping through it for most of the occasions when she would do this. We would sleep through a huge chunk of it and wake up and be like, the lights would be blazing up there. And so we did that figuring if she's going to wake up in the middle of the night, at least she's safe, confined into her room, and not able to fall downstairs and do things like that. Right. And in case you haven't figured it out, I forgot to mention at the beginning of the show that we never plan our conversations. We just show up and start talking. Yes. We were actually at lunch today, because my mom had the kids. We did. We got out on a date. And you... uh, said something to the tune of, I have something to talk to you about, but I'm going to wait till we record this afternoon. Oh, yeah. I forgot what it was. Oh. (laughs) Right. Um, Well, I have lots of things that I can talk about if you don't. Yeah, man, I don't remember what it was at all. It's too bad because it was something really profound. Well, no, I don't say anything ever really profound. You say the profound things. <laughs> this was a... Sam's listening to this right now going, yes. Yeah, I don't actually remember what it was. It wasn't super profound, let's, but it's something that seemed relevant to... Let's digress and go super not profound right now. Uh-huh. Jeff from Iowa oh my gosh, us you guys earlier this week. That's what it was. <laughs> That's what it was. Yeah, it was totally not profound. So Jeff from Iowa, you guys, messaged us earlier this week and said, I am begging you to re-listen to at the minute Episode mark, 57. Was that what episode, episode it was? Episode 57 at minute... 34. Starting at minute 34, and roughly... 20 seconds. 20, yeah, 20 or seconds. Or something like that. And 34, 20 on episode 57. We were discussing the... But... Listen to it. But... Get it? But (laughs) (laughs) listen to it at half speed. So he said he didn't know what happened, but he was working on some project, uh, hand tools and such, repairing something or doing something. And his phone, Uh, Kino, it was outside where his neighbors could hear it. Yes. And his phone inexplicably started playing our podcast at half speed. And what I was going to say, Molly, is. Ty and I sat in the living room yesterday listening to that episode at half speed or that <laughs> section and we were laughing very hard. The funny thing is... Because we sound high and drunk. Like, just <laughs> super lethargic, super lazy. It is really, really funny. And also, we're talking about Operation Ouch, the mm-hmm. kids' show, and they ha- they were teaching kids about anatomy using pig anuses and specifically they were talking about we have several sphincter muscles in our body and so they were talking about the pig sphincter and apparently saying sphincter at half speed molly said it a couple times 
pig's anus. No, it's fiender. And I'm like, is some fudgy lizard. It's inexplicably funny. You can't. Anyway, nobody else needs oh, to man. go back and do that. But thank you, Jeff, for giving us a very good laugh at our own expense. Wow, that, it's just really funny. I encourage everybody to just listen to all of our stuff at half speed. We sound drunk and high. I told Taz, like, man, I need to have a few beers in me and go back and listen to this again. This you know really that Addy funny. listens to our stuff at one and a half speed. Yes. And I've tried that and I can't handle it. It's Addie just too also, chunky. Addy also operates at one and a half speed. That's true. Her brain does anyway. Yeah, and I'm really excited to have the text message after this. Now, you hold on a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, she won't listen to this before she comes over tonight. Oh, she's gone tonight. That's right. Yes. yes. So I can't you, keep up with Addie. She's just too fast. For so me. you were working on the the van yes. today. Insulating and I was the van. on the other side of the garage weeding the garden that hasn't been touched for weeding in weeks. It's called organic. It's called lazy. It is organic, <laughs> but it's also busy. Too what are you growing? Too this? busy to weed. What are you growing this? What's well, also too hot to weed? We have to like and weed earlier than we want to wake up. We and planted. Then we weed after bed. Unfortunately, I bought a really cheap hose for one of my. I mean, it wasn't the cheapest hose Home Depot had, but it was cheap enough that it split open. I won't buy cheap and hoses anymore. I like those really expensive gray ones. I need to do that because they're I have two, money, but two manual boy, nice. sprinklers going mm. in the garden and the hose split on one and was just blasting gravel across. They don't the they don't break, it. they don't get hard in the winter and, they and don't they're not get the two layers. The anyway, and, so yeah. so part of my unfortunately my carrots are not getting watered as well as I would like, so I'm going to start hand watering them while we're home in this super hot weather. But I am growing carrots, and I'm growing them in containers because... Did I tell you why I'm growing carrots in containers? I didn't know you were growing carrots in containers. I don't even know what you're growing I'm growing... Year. Okay, two I've things. I've been really unplugged from I'm the growing carrots in containers because you were going up to spend a week working with my dad at the cabin, and you tilled the garden for me, mm-hmm. and you only tilled about two inches of dirt. It didn't go deep at all, and the dirt underneath it because... Man, that sucker sunk way more than two inches, though. It, there were about two inches of soft dirt. And I we should have grabbed one of those big bags again and filled, added more. I, I, last year, well, the ground was super hard because we hadn't been watering it at all. And by the time we did it, it was mid-June by the time we were planting the garden. And it had been baking in very hot weather for a month by then. And it was so hard that I couldn't dig below those two inches that you had tilled and last year, I had trouble getting carrots out of the ground because the clay oh, man. was so dense. You couldn't even dig them out. Oh, yeah. There are still actually leeks and turnips growing in the garden from last year. And they're giant, and I'll have to hack them literally. Annuals. Yeah, perennials, they're called. I but, was getting confused. Uh, anyway, so I, I took... I have two tires and three fabric buckets like five gallon bucket mm-hmm. size fabric things and i fill them entirely with our compost from a couple of years ago so i just hauled it over in wheelbarrows so the and then i planted the carrots in the tires and the fabric buckets so they are growing entirely and <laughs> for a while there i was pulling out a lot of pumpkin and squash seedlings 
because that compost had been made up in huge degree of old pumpkins and squash plants and things like that. So they were coming up, but so that's kind of cool. Our carrots will be grown entirely in compost that we created. Interestingly, the compost that I bought from Ace has had a lot of goat's heads growing in it. Because I know which ba- which tires I used, I filled with the compost do you from think, Ace. Do you think they packaged somewhere locally that was infected with goat heads? That's the only thing I can come up with. Or mm. not, a, not even necessarily locally. But I, I am now so well versed in recognizing a goat head when it's less than an inch tall. I know exactly what it is. I pulled up, I pulled up a cluster of them that had... it. Well... I knew there was going to be some problems there because it was just a little section out by one of the trees where I just had a hard time with them last year. Not hard time. They just grew kind of thick, abnormally mm-hmm. thick there. In the same spot this year, there was like six or seven Because plants. the seeds lie dormant. They do. And even if we don't you have never, You never really know when, seed. yeah, you never really know when they're going to they're gonna pop up either. They're just horrible, horrible plants. They are. So anyway, I was out there weeding around my hatch green chilies because I... This is my second year of doing this. I send away for seeds to a Hatch Green Chili seed company and order the seeds from a new... I think it's from a New Mexico company. Anyway, and because I love the little the green chilies that come in cans, and I figured I could get them more healthily. So I froze them in clusters that would be the equivalent of maybe two cans. So the Hatch Green Chilies, I started as seedlings, planted them, and have not weeded where they're growing at all. And they, the weeds are taller than the plants. And I was getting this great, I was thinking a lot about the parable of the seeds while I was weeding around the green chilies because two different kinds of seeds, well, I guess kind of, it's it's the same, the, the seed with weeds, but the weeds... Mm-hmm do two things to the plants. One is, uh, the ones that were the most surrounded by weeds, there's no fruit on them. And so I think of, I think it's in one of the Peters, where he says, if you do this, you're ineffectual and fruitless and have forgotten that you've been cleansed from your past sins. I should have looked that verse up before we started talking. But I was just thinking that when you, when the weed, these good plants are so choked out that they will never produce fruit if I let them keep keep carrying on as they are. Mm-hmm. But they're also, there's two reasons that the weeds are choking them out. And one is that they're blocking the sunlight from getting to them. And so their plants obviously need a lot of sunlight and especially a green chili plant because they're designed for desert conditions. And in fact, the green chilies actually, the ideal growing conditions are that they get watered and then you let the soil completely dry out before you water them again, which doesn't really work in our garden because everything else needs more consistent water and moist soil. But an ideal growing condition for one of these is desert desert conditions, basically, because that's where this varietal comes from. And so the the weeds block the sunlight out from drying out the soil. So it's creating this kind of swampy, murky soil condition that is going to produce 
rot around the roots rather than the nice clean dry out get replenished with your moisture root conditions that the plants need it's blocking out the sunlight and so there's this one that's just weak like it just spindly not a nice healthy thick stock on it it's weak and it's not even the right color of green and it's just kind of got some really floppy leaves not just not a nice sturdy plant that can hold a six inch a whole a whole host like last year by the end of September when it started freezing I had plants that had 15 or 20 six to eight inch chilies growing on them at the same time a really hardy I don't know two and a half foot high plants and here I've got one that's maybe a foot high and the stalk isn't even strong enough to support one six inch Mm. chili it's completely weeded around now and the next week is supposed to be almost 100 every day so hopefully that will be helpful for it but the other thing about the weeds is then we have field bindweed which is a total choke out plant it it produces these really faith and i were walking down the street and we saw a field of them and they if you look in a wildflower thing they're called morning glory and they are these really pretty mm-hmm. like cup and the ones along our street have pink and white stripes on them and faith just kept commenting those flowers are so pretty it's it's so cute having a three-year-old toddler Riding her little bike with her Minnie Mouse hat on, exclaiming at how beautiful the wild the flowers are along the side of the street. And they truly are pretty, but they're a vine that wraps itself tightly around anything that they can that it can find, and it will literally choke out a healthy plant. And so I was just thinking, what are the ways that I have weeds in my life that are choking out the sunlight and are creating just floppy abnormally colored, weak, ineffectual, fruitlessness hmm. in my life? What are the ways that I have weeds in my life that are keeping the soil from being healthy and pure because I just have like swampy, mildewy, you know, slime you know, growing you bring, you bring around my You bring things into roots. your life like this contaminated soil that's infected with other stuff too. You don't you don't add pure soil. Yeah, you add goat head infested. Well, soil. yeah, you. I mean, you can't. There's, you can't. There's bring so it many in, analogies, but, you guys. There's so many analogies. I know, in but gardens. you. But also because of the fact that we live in a fallen world, <sighs> we have been gardening in this same plot for is this our third or fourth year? Third, I think. So our third year, and we've been pulling up the same stinking weeds. Every year. So you would think after three years of clearing the same soil, adding good new soil to it, doing all good things for it, growing good things in it, that that you wouldn't have this really big right. problem. But because we live in a fallen world, even soil that we have worked on, you can't rest. You can't not be feeding yourself with the good, with sunshine and good fertilization and things like that. And so in, you know, spiritually with fellowship and God's word and prayer and confession, you can't, you can't not do that just because you had a successful garden last year. (laughs) My green chilies last year were great. They're automatically going to be great this year. And instead they're getting, they're getting assaulted by the weeds that choke you out, 
the weeds that block the sunshine and the weeds that rot your roots. So all these different, and then the weeds like the goat's heads that maybe don't affect the plant, but that are brutal in every other way. And once you let it get out of control, like when we moved in here, we kept using the goat head because you guys, if you haven't followed, I think we've talked about this before, but we live on two acres and almost one of those acres was, if you're not familiar with a, what a goat's head is, it's a weed that produces, it's also called puncture vine, produces this little seed head that has... About the size of a pea. Sharper than attack. And I mean that very sincerely. I oh, have stiffer, stepped, stiffer and probably... Pointier. And longer. And it has, I think it must have like tiny barbs on it because... Multiple. It stays after you step on one and it goes all the way into think of stepping on a thumbtack it goes in easier than a thumbtack and it hurts for days after you pull it out and it has multiple points like this so no matter what way it's pointing in the dirt it it ruins bike tires it it's just brutal on your feet it sticks in sandals and these seeds are good for like seven years. And so they can lie dormant in the ground. And then you think you've dealt with the goat's head problem because you've we've lived in this house six years now. We've been dealing with it. We had to deal with it very aggressively for the first two years. And anyway, we so we use that as a lot of a lesson for our kids where we would say, I know you're mad at me for disciplining you or for talking to you about this issue that I see in your life. But remember the goat's heads. We have to deal with it while there's one goat's head in your heart rather than letting it get out of control. And it's a major endeavor to deal with overgrown sin in your heart, just like it's a major endeavor to deal with overgrown goat's heads on an entire acre. And so on a smaller level, I was feeling that very much today with our weak and ineffectual hatched green chilies that are overrun with weeds. Well, I was just looking at I was I was throwing some stuff in the burn pile the other day and that's when I found that little patch of goat head that I pulled out. And kind of well, I was actually standing in our neighbor's kitchen looking out at our yard, going, "Okay, if I was the neighbor here, what do I what do I not want to see?" And I'm like, "I don't like any of that. That all needs to be cleaned up." <laughs> but it's more of a natural field than anything. But I said, "Look at the size of that weed." And we had these old hills that we'd been using as kind of like bike jumps and things and buggy things. And we decided to knock those down. And I seeded them with grass last year and it's really sparse in there still. And he's, there's just, uh, there was like a four foot weed just right out of the top of one of these things. I was like, that thing is huge. And um, the ground was so hard, I couldn't pull it out in one clean piece. It just snapped off. But um, then I started looking around all the other weeds and I feel like I just sprayed and it's like, man, I got to go there, like, weed all that stuff again. It's just constant. It's just mm-hmm. constant. Nothing brings out spiritual analogies and hearts quite gardening. like gardening and you ground think that's and why God work. put Adam and Eve in a garden to start with? <laughs> probably hmm, not. I think there's probably better spiritual reasons than spiritual analogies about their sin. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. But that probably is why there's a lot of agricultural mm-hmm. parables and analogies in Scripture. Uh Second Peter 1, verses 5 through 10. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, virtue with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with steadfastness, steadfastness with godliness, 
godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, growing like a healthy garden, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. Hmm. So anyway, um, I feel like we should stop and take a breath, but we're on a podcast and everyone else would stop there with awkward silences. <laughs> take I, a breath Why? I don't know, because I've been talking a lot. <laughs> I need to breathe. You do every show. It's awesome. I know, but I feel out of breath right now. <laughs> I'm just kind of waiting for you to just more. Launch more, in, Molly. Launch, launch in into on the, the next thing on your list. Launch into the next thing on your list. Is actually the next thing on my list is actually segues a little bit from here. In our sermon on Sunday, he was preaching about the name, the name. We're apparently doing a series on the names for God, mm-hmm. and this one was El Shaddai. And El Shaddai is a name that God uses for Himself in reestablishing His covenant with Jacob. And remember, Jacob means deceiver, and Jacob's entire life is from the moment he stole his brother's uh, blessing from his dad, and then he just keeps deceiving, keeps deceiving, and then God changes his name. And by the way... Pause. Downpour. You think that's rain? Yeah, I got a note. I got a Who notice from Dark Sky saying downpour starting soon in Billings, and I can hear it hitting. It's coming down really, really hard right now. Do we have do anything we need that needs to, to be? close anything? I don't know. Do we? I don't know. Because if we can hear it from here, it's really coming down. Huh. Good for us. We haven't had rain for days, you guys. Months. Months. The entire state is on the, fire. The entire state's on fire. Like, all the forest service around our cabin is closed. Air quality is terrible. Oh, it's just, it's awful here right now. It's like living in hell. Probably actually not, if you want to take that literally. Because <laughs> this, so the fire near our cabin, expected containment date is October 15th, which is a long time from now, because it's only August 3rd, but it's not an unquenchable fire. <laughs> like the fires of hell are. So, Jacob wrestles with God, and God changes his name in that wrestling episode to Israel, which means wrestles with God. And then later when God refers to himself as El Shaddai, which our church is a fairly run-of-the-mill PCA church, I would say, And we don't usually have special music, but I, it, I, right. I mean, how could you not, how could you, how could we not have done that? It almost almost feels, and I, I say this very self-aware of saying this and it's, it's a joke. You guys, it feels un-American to not sing El Shaddai. In a church when, you're, when you're talking about El Shaddai. Right. 
anyway, yeah. it just feels like almost... How, how could we not have had special music with Amy Grant's... Well, the good news oh, is sure. our music director listens to our show, so and she, she will, will tell know, us why. No, no, no. She will know that I am joking, because I don't actually expect special music during any portion of our service. And also why I think Lord's it's funny Supper. to say un-American, because uh, it just... there. There's nothing American about. I mean, there are cultural American cultural expressions of the church. Amy Grant wrote that song, right? I know, and she's American. Yeah, but but I don't. Is it sacrilege to sing? I ended with, "Is it sacrilege?" Welcome back. The power went out right as I said that, and so for you guys, it's instantaneous. For us, it's been an entire day, (laughs) (laughs) and it's really hard to. Finish the sentence. Is it sacrilege? Is <laughs> it sacrilege? Actually, get... that would be a really funny fill in the blank. Is it sacrilege to X of like things we do in our normal life? Oh, yeah, that would be a pretty funny fill in the blank. You guys have one? Send it to us. Um, yeah, so anyway, the power went out. Uh, you just heard me talk about the power, like, or the, the thunderstorm. Power went out all over the west end of Billings. And um, we just, we, 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 everything we shut are, down. Our and... afternoon was booked up so we couldn't visit finish so here we are the next so now it's wednesday morning trying to finish up our podcast so what i was going to say is is it sacrilege to sing an amy grant song uh a pop music song at church on sunday well it was ccm so is that pop music well i guess all current worship cc all current ccm stuff is stuff we sing in church now anyway it's really kind of boring i'm just Oh, the kids want to listen to K-Love all day, and I'm just Actually, like, the kids don't. Just our second born does. But, okay, here's a question before we go back to trying to close the loop on the Jacob, de- Jacob Esau and, yeah. Deceiver Israel discussion. Uh, the song El Shaddai. What comes next, you guys? El Shaddai, El Shaddai. Dun, 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 Adonai. Nobody can ever say it. Right. I want to know if anybody who's listening knows what comes next. In in my mind, what happens is, and I've I was going to ask this question yesterday, and I've I've resisted the urge to Google it for eighteen hours now. But in my mind, I say El Shaddai, El Shaddai, El Kankana Adonai. I don't know what that means. It doesn't mean anything. But El Shaddai and Adonai are both right. Hebrew. So maybe there's a Hebrew phrase in between there. But I'm wondering if anybody El, if anybody knows what it really is without Googling it. And if without anybody Googling else, it, that's the key, you guys. Yes, without Googling it. And what you sing in your head when you fill in the blank after El Shaddai, El Shaddai. Bum, 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 Adonai. What's that? Bum, 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 bum. I don't remember. Like, I don't, I think it is a, a Hebrew phrase. Okay. Actually, so maybe I think there is a why... Hebrew phrase in there, but I don't remember what it is. But that goes into the whole, like, we're singing things we have no idea. And kids, did you know that Lily, her favorite hymn of all time so far, she's eight, is Be Thou My Vision? And a couple probably about a year ago now, she had me write all the five verses out. She traced over all five verses with watercolor paint and then decorated them with flowers and things like that. Each verse is on a different page. And then we hung them on a clothesline on her wall. And on the last page, when I wrote, 
High King of Heaven. She, for all of this time of having me sing this song to her every night at bedtime, and the last verse is her favorite, so I'm supposed to stop singing, and she sings the last verse, and then we sing the last stanza of the last verse together at the very end. She always thought that it was a hiking in heaven. A H-I-K-I-N-G. Hiking in heaven. Really? Not high king of heaven. Hiking in heaven. My <laughs> victory won. <laughs> Which, it, given the fact uh, that we believe that we won't just be floating on clouds, but we will be rejoicing in exploring a recreated, sin-free earth, there could be a lot of hiking in heaven, but in this case, we're singing about the high king of heaven. So anyway, you guys, <laughs> what do you think are the words between El Shaddai, El Shaddai, and Adonai in Amy Grant's song? And some of you I know who are listening to us, Anna, uh, are so young, maybe you don't have like, this. Who's Amy Grant? Right? Is she Ben Skill's wife? <laughs> uh, anyway, back to Jacob and Israel. I can't, we just re-listened to what we said, but I'm having trouble picking up my train of thought. But I thought it was really profound when I had the thought yesterday, so I'm going to try to finish it. Jacob's, God changes Jacob's name to Israel, which means wrestles with God. Jacob then, and then he reaffirms that Jacob's name is Israel when he uses the name El Shaddai for himself. And... That means God Almighty. And the name Israel that is bestowed on the people of God. And if you think about how Israel interacts with God throughout the entire Old Testament, it's pretty fitting to think here is a group of people who wrestle with God in that they don't just nicely and easily obey They disobey, and they complain, and they're ungrateful, and they grumble, and they forget what God has done for them at every turn. And that's the story of the Old Testament, right? Until God's finally like, (laughs) I'm going to take a break. I'm going to put you in a 400-year timeout. And you're going to see how bad it really gets when I stop wrestling with you, when I let you have your own way. And, but then... When we Jesus comes, he's the new Adam, he's the new Israel, and then Paul, and I can't give you chapter and verse off the top of my head, but the gist of like Paul in Romans is people who are in Christ now are the new and the true Israel. So our identity as Christians who have been adopted into God's family by grace, our identity is that of wrestling with God. So, Hmm. woven into the very core of, because for, for God in the Bible, names have meaning. So, woven into the very core of one of the many names that God has bestowed on us as His covenant chosen called adopted people is that we wrestle with God. And I see that 
in my own life on a daily basis. I think we started this episode talking about putting a toddler to bed, right? I mean, there's the toddler wrestling with her mom, basically, and and how God engages with us in us forgetting and complaining and fighting and disobeying him by his grace less and less throughout our lives, but also by his grace, we're aware of our sin more and more throughout our lives. And so we... We should actually, at the end of our Christian walk, when Christ calls us home, be even more attuned to our wrestling with God identity than when when we first began. Hmm. Uh, it makes us more aware of His grace to us, which I think was the point of of Jacob's life, where... He didn't really do anything right. He he kept deceiving and he kept acting in fear and he kept manipulating. And Jacob was kind of a terrible person. He was. <laughs> and yet, and yet when God reestablishes the covenant of grace with him at the end of his life and reaffirms your name is Israel, you cut the promises that I made to Abraham continue through your line and Great kings will come from you, and I am God Almighty who's going to make this happen. It's pure grace to him. And God remaining involved in our lives and blessing us and promising that he who began a good work in us will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus is pure grace to us also, even as we recognize that a huge part of our identity is wrestling with God, and that if God stops, you know, think about a little kid throwing a fit, and one of the things that I have learned is kids who are prone to really uh, violent outbursts, one of the best things that parents can do is bear hug them firmly, gently, but firmly, until the kid stops fighting them. Think about even our girls, if they're mad at us and we say, can I give you a hug? They get really angry and try to physically distance themselves from mm-hmm. us. And it's an act of mercy and tangible love from us to pursue them physically as well as emotionally and verbally when they are angry and having this wrestling match, so to speak, with us. And I was just thinking to tie this up, what a what an interesting paradox. Again, the Christian life has so many interesting paradoxes that we... I think the more we get comfortable living in the the mysterious paradox, the less we wrestle with God in a negative way, is in the less we try to fight out from under God's hand upon our lives. And but but we we are called, we're chosen, we're extremely secure as his children. And the whole Entire year-long Bible studies have been written and book after book about the identity of Christians as God's children and the significance of our being adopted in or grafted in into God's family. And so this this security and resting, you know, the psalm that says, as a wean child rests again, has quieted his soul with his on his mom's lap so is my soul with God 
and this tremendous wrestling that is part of our identity as the new Israel is somehow fits together with the perfect peace and rest that we have in being adopted into God's family. And somehow both of those are very core to who we are and how we live as Christians in this world. Hmm. I'll have to ponder that one. I've never thought about I've never thought about the whole wrestling with God as an identity in, in that in that context or that light. But if you think about your everyday life, how many times do you get bad news and have to have to refocus your Oh, all the time. You're constantly there's but there's also the like kind of like you're saying there's the concept of of like even wrestling with the desire to do good. Like God calls us to respond in a certain way and a lot of times it's it's antithetical to our sin nature and it's it's antithetical to kind of the world's economy and you and, fight against that. And we still... don't understand what God is doing. Right. Right, and so you end up wrestling over over those sorts of things. And I is... think I think that I was I was chatting with this over text with a friend yesterday morning, and I she commented that she thinks that the when Jesus says, "If you've been faithful in little things, you will also be faithful in big things." that this is an example where if we are diligent in in wrestling our soul into submission to God and in a sense we're we're not contending against God but we're contending with God against our sin nature that we're, if we're faithful in doing that in the little areas of our lives in my conflicts with you my conflicts with the kids that that it will make faithfulness in the big things kind of just fall into place. Not not that they're not hard, but mm-hmm. our having conditioned our souls into obedience in the everyday allows us to be faithful and obedient and trust and rest in the bigger things. Yep. That's good. That's good. Why do you crush this stuff so well? <laughs> So, uh, okay, speaking of being faithful in little things and crushing it, we should give people an update about our camping on the Oregon coast for the last week. Oh, man. We'll finish with this. Yeah. <laughs> Besides, yeah. let me just throw this in here, you guys. I'm going to have JR include on our show link uh, notes a recipe that I made last night that I think I've shared before. I've shared it multiple times on my personal Facebook page, but it's for grilled shawarma chicken. And you just take chicken thighs, toss them in a dry rub, and grill them or we do them on our Traeger because that's the only thing we have for grilling and then slice them up and you can just eat it plain you can what I like to do is serve it with either yellow rice or uh, one of our guests last night brought over Costco non bread and uh, like a cucumber tomato salad maybe or a green salad you could make tzatziki sauce with it or not it's good with it it doesn't necessarily need it even people who say they have picky kids, their kids gobble this up. It's just a fantastic recipe. It's a great one to have in your back pocket for easy, crowd-pleasing meal. And the leftovers make great. Just pull it out of the fridge and eat the slices. And anyway, 
grilled shawarma chicken. Jay, I will include the link in the show notes. Yes, I will. So as you know, we took uh, the pop-up tent. This time, because we wanted to travel in a little more luxury, and we didn't need everything that we needed last time, we pulled it behind the Sequoia, and we went to the Oregon coast to spend a week in one spot with my family, my brother and sister and their spouses and children and my uncle and my parents even came out for a couple days. And it was, uh, I thought it was super fun, super great right up until the end, but that's because it was all family and we didn't, we didn't heed bedtimes and we should have, but we didn't. And we paid the price as the day, the last day that we were there doing some fun touring around, we had a lot of cranky, selfish meltdowns. Only on the kids' part on Wednesday. And then we enforced a decently early bedtime on Wednesday. That is like 9 o'clock instead of 10 or 10.30. And too much weeping and gnashing of teeth. That it was so unfair that we were putting them to bed so ridiculously early. But then the next day on the drive, they woke up. They were angry about everything I was angry about everything. We spent Thursday night in Rainier National Park where JR's brother had booked an extra day. Yeah, so on the way out, my brother texted and goes, hey, you guys should stay with us on the way home a night in Rainier National Park. It's our favorite place to camp. It's just gorgeous, and I think there's an extra spot. And it was literally, it was quite... It was on the route we were driving home. So we'd be driving three hours from Astoria to uh, this campground in Rainier, and then we would drive the rest of the way home. Um, and it was gorgeous. Like, it was just, if it you was, guys haven't had a chance to camp in Rainier National Park, do it. It was, yeah, a really, it was hard to describe how pretty it was. Tremendously lush, giant, giant, several hundred foot trees above us glacier fed creek right below us that people from the campground were waiting in and sitting in chairs next to and kids are splashing around in these bitterly cold pools but because it (laughs) was glacier fed it had this really pretty aqua blue hue to the water just really but it was also like 100 degrees during the day so it made sense why people were we're in the water but we didn't go. We, in the water. I had one exchange with a child that I will not name, and this child to protect the innocent was protect the guilty, the guilty that we <laughs> whom we love and don't want to publicly shame if they ever listen to all of our podcasts. And this child was uh, so ungrateful and angry and mad that we had to quit camping and mad that the camping was coming to the end. And I'm trying to be gracious but looking around going how on earth can you be angry to be in such a gorgeous location and don't take it out on me you gotta work this out in your own heart but of course it oozed into my own heart and I became ungrateful and cranky about camping in a gorgeous place with ungrateful and cranky kids who were ruining it for me. And, and I'm that, trying to have a good attitude, but it's it's slipping quickly. And it finally gave I gave up the ghost on the drive home, the last very last drive day. That night, the same cranky kid decided that he or she you could say they, but that's grammatically incorrect, and it hurts my soul to refer to an individual as they. 
this child was decided that the child was afraid to sleep in the camper 10 feet from us scared and kept me up half the night whining about being scared and so i woke up and i was literally jr i didn't tell you this praying and singing created me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me restored me the joy of your salvation and i was not feeling any (laughs) clean heart or renewed spirit or joy of anything let alone salvation and we we did enjoy a last couple hours of breakfast uh our in-law our in-laws and then hit the road and i was just there was so much whining and complaining and i was done and so we hadn't we hadn't talked about it was a 10-hour drive from Rainier. It was actually more than a 10-hour drive. From map, it was a 10-hour drive. Right. From Rainier to um, to Billings. And we hadn't talked about... The night was so bad, normally we would have spent another night. And so there was some loose discussion of just driving all the way. And Molly and I hadn't talked about because I don't want to talk to Molly because she's cranky. So I'm trying to give her some space. The kids all have their own opinions Emotional on space since we're both sitting So we just load together. up and start driving. And then I'm I'm listening to I think I was listening to something on the headphones and at one point um I hear Molly I see Molly out of the corner of my eye just rip around the, the passenger seat. And so I pop off one ear, the one that you couldn't see, so I was listening. And you turn around and you said, I don't care. I would rather spend another night driving all night in this car than spend another night with you guys in a tent. No. I don't know. I don't remember the context. So it I was said probably because the same child <laughs> w- had gotten the hint that we were maybe driving straight through, and was then crying hysterically because we weren't going to spend <clears throat> another night camping. So guess what? I was like, "Oh, we're bombing!" So I just mentally prepared myself to to make the make a bombing run, and we drove ten, eleven, twelve hours sometime, and we got in at like one thirty in the morning, and then everybody was kind of. Super groggy and cranky the next day. And it took a couple days for everybody to recover. Yeah, I don't know if that was the right decision, but it was the one we needed to make in the moment. (laughs) We had to make that decision. So, in retrospect, we we haven't talked about what we would change, but I think I would just force bedtimes on all the kids, like right away. Every night. Every night. Because it doesn't matter what time they... It doesn't matter what time you put them to bed. They always get up when the sun comes up or like seven or something like and that. In a little camping space like that, yeah. once somebody's up, everybody's up. Yeah. So. But I, I've, I've had some of this conversation with a cranky child since then, but I have used the metaphor of being stuck in mud. We occasionally get a vehicle at our cabin stuck in mud and you spin your wheels and you just go deeper. And unless you can get ground underneath you that's not just more mud, or you have something pulling or pushing you to get you out of that, you just sit there and spin your wheels. And I feel, I sometimes I will use the analogy of being stuck in mud, or your boot is stuck in the mud around the edge of a pond and you can't pull it out. And you need an adult to come along and... Get that boot out of that really sticky mud. So sometimes our kids' hearts just get stuck. 
and they can't pause. Sometimes all of our hearts just well, get stuck. Right. That yeah, exactly. I I I talk to my kids about their hearts being stuck in mud, but I I tried so hard. And not even just in my own strength. I was asking God to help me. <laughs> and it still wasn't working. I was wrestling with God. <laughs> and I just it was very humbling to be so stuck in frustration and anger and not being able we also talk to our kids especially in the car they get so cranky with each other and little things trigger them and so we talk about having trampoline hearts where the bounce of a trampoline is having grace in your heart for when somebody else bumps up against you so when you if you i I can't remember what they call them butt drops or something if you're on a trampoline a big like big play kid trampoline the one that the ones that doctors don't let their kids jump on because they always break kids always have bad hip injuries and stuff but so you're you're jumping on it and you decide to bounce on your butt so you land on your butt and you bounce back up and you're back on your feet and it doesn't hurt at all but if you're on concrete and you bounce onto your butt you don't bounce back up and it hurts a lot and so we try to remind our kids to have trampoline hearts where if somebody bounces up against you, you have enough cushion and grace in your heart that it just bounces back off and it doesn't hurt either of you instead of a concrete heart where they bounce into you and it hurts both of you and it's no fun. And I tried really hard to have a trampoline heart and those last two days, every time a kid bumped into me, there was no cushion. It was all concrete. Just, I had no cushion to absorb the whininess and things like that. So, somehow we did more than double this amount of time in California and came out way better. Less time with with cousins and family, and the kids all went to bed right away. There wasn't any Way more consistent routine. Way more consistent. And our kids have... They absolutely love spending time with their cousins and almost even maybe have a bit of an idol for there's a cousin within my vicinity. I need to spend time with that cousin. And so Mm. if they feel like a sibling is getting more time with the cousins or they're missing out on something that the cousins are doing, they uh, they get really angry. And I mean, I love the fact that they have such a strong familial connection. Right. You know, yeah. but. But it. It makes for challenging dynamics when you're trying to enforce rules that are different than the cousins, or you're just limited by yeah. being human and having human yeah. limitations, and that they that the kids don't understand necessarily. But so when you say, "I crush it," I did not crush it, <laughs> even remotely. Normally, you crush it on that. It's my job to tell you you crush it, babe. Trip. It's more your job to. Rub my back and tell me I'm pretty and I'm a good cook. I'm happy to do that too. <laughs> More than happy to do that too. Great marriage advice from JR and Molly. <laughs> so, anyway, also give me grace when I lose my trampoline heart. Sometimes, like, marriage is just a lot simpler than we make it out to be. Just trampoline hearts and love each other. Rub backs. Tell you you're pretty. I mean, there's. There is more to Tell it Tell me than I'm that. awesome. I'm masculine and great. Mm. No. No? 
crap. Okay. Well, guys, thanks for joining us. Sorry about the delay getting this out due to power, but it's out of our control and such is life. If you like anything you heard on the show, we'd love to hear from you. Even if you had something you don't like about the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at tb2f at pm.me, papamike.me. You can send us a postcard on our website, www.tb2f.com or toobusytoflush.com, all spelled out grammatically correct for those of us who get cranky about non-grammatically correct things. You can also send me a text message at 406-318-7136 or you can send us a message on Instagram at toobusytoflush. It's all pretty basic, you guys. We have a variety of ways. Love to hear from you. Uh, again, big shout out to those of you that that email us and text us and talk to us regularly. Love hearing your thoughts. Love hearing your feedback and everything you have to say. It's fantastic. Um, we have a swag shack on our website too. We've got some stuff that you can you can download and buy and sell. You can buy. You just buy. Just stuff. Let people know your your people are weird and hard. Yep, there's that too. There's that too. So anyway, yes, I'll include the shawarma chicken recipe in the show notes. And, um, you know, it's always a big compliment when you share us with your friends. So that's all I've got today. I don't have this anything week. else. Nothing else? Okay. We will spend the next week winding up the spool so Molly can go again <laughs> down the road and make us all feel better about ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> I'll stop now. See you guys next week.